theme of my podcast today is making a difference. And my guest is the personification of that. As the National Recruit Manager for the Timpson Group and head of the Timpson Foundation, his days are spent not just visiting prisons, recruiting and training ex-offenders, but also advising businesses on how they can effectively recruit this some may say, untapped talent pipeline. Um, I didn't know this, but apparently around 10 million people in the UK have a criminal conviction. When I first met him, it was on a Zoom call with another inspirational man from an organisation called MPCT. And they were having an argument about who had the best job. Darren Burns, welcome to the virtual studio. Thanks, Lisa. Great to be here. Darren, as this is a short podcast, um, I'm going to dive straight in. Uh, To set the scene, currently, what is the actual cost and impact of sending people to prison in this country? It's useful to split it up into two main sorts of groups in terms of impact and cost. So um, I think we should focus on the financial cost first. So it's reported that the cost of reoffending in the UK um, is about £18 billion a year, which is obviously picked up by the UK taxpayer. Um, Custody costs of about 50k per year, which means that for every one person we send to prison, um, it costs approximately £50,000 to keep them in that cell for that 12-month period. It's also estimated to cost £250,000 per annum to the UK taxpayer if somebody was to commit an offence and be sentenced to 12 months in custody. And those costs are made up of, of policing costs, court costs, probation costs, added to custody costs. But I think the additional cost as well is the fact that often these people are working when they're sent into, into custody and now they're not working and therefore not paying into the system. So that's where that 250k a year figure comes from. Extraordinary. Yeah, it's um, pretty depressing, really. But I think at the moment, the prison population in the UK is about 84,000. And I think the, the, the sad thing is, is that it's expected to rise to um, 100,000 within the next five years. And um, interestingly, and again, quite depressingly, I think, um, we actually imprison more people per capita than anybody else in Europe, with the exception of Turkey and Russia. So it just shows you this kind of national obsession we've got in the UK with um, the kind of punitive approach that we take. Um, and I think that also feeds into our reoffending rates, which are also pretty pretty abysmal, really. So approximately 33% of people will reoffend at some stage. Um, interestingly, 61% of, of prison leavers will reoffend within two years of leaving custody, but that can be reduced to as little as 19% if these people have got full-time employment. So there's lots of kind of key evidence um, to suggest that employment is a really important factor to reduce reoffending. Um, so that's the kind of financial group of reasons and some of the facts and figures around the prison population. But I think the other kind of impact is the, is the social or the human impact. And I think what people often don't realise is that it can be absolutely devastating for an individual um, to be sent um, to prison. Um, prisons are often very kind of bleak and dehumanising places. Um, understandably, it can have a real kind of adverse effect on people's mental health. Um, it can destroy family units um, and unfortunately it can often deprive children of the parents who are um, sentenced to uh, pretty long sentences sometimes. However, um, I think the important thing is that we should never forget the victims and all this. 
and crime has, has a devastating impact um, on victims. And that's another kind of thing which is wrapped up in a whole offending agenda. Of course. I mean, those those figures are absolutely extraordinary. And I, yeah, I'm not sure how well known they are, but they are. It's it's terrifying, really. So the point you made about reoffending going from 61% to 19% if if um, you know they have they have work, which probably leads into my next question, really, because um, I think this is becoming more and more public through the work that I think James Timpson has done over the last year in, in sort of promoting what the, the company does. But can you please summarise what the Timpson Foundation has done so far to address this and what impact you've had? I'm very, very proud to be involved with the Timpson Foundation. So essentially what we do is we provide training and employment opportunities for marginalised groups, predominantly ex-offenders. So over the years, uh, and we, we started doing this back in 2002, um, we've literally given hundreds, if not thousands of people that second chance. We've shown them that trust them and we've, we've given them a job. Um, as we mentioned before, employment can be a key factor to reduce reoffending. Um, but we've really genuinely made a positive difference to, to many, many people's lives. Um, I get to meet people who are often at the lowest ebb. They're kind of broken individuals. And we offer them support. We offer them guidance. Uh, we treat them like human beings. And, and we bring them into our business. And we watch them grow and develop, um, which is obviously something I, I get a real kick out of. And it's real kind of fitting with our, our general culture of kindness and compassion. Um, we also bring people to kind of break that offending cycle. Um, and I think a byproduct of that is that we get to reduce the financial burden on a taxpayer, which again feeds into what we mm. mentioned before about this £18 billion a year figure. Um, another kind of byproduct of, of the work we do in the foundation is not only are the individuals benefiting and the individuals' families because they're not getting sent back into custody, but it also makes our community safer and ultimately mm. we're creating fewer victims. Um, yeah. which hopefully everyone everyone can agree is a, is a really, really positive thing. Um, but I think some of the, the work that we've been doing more recently, particularly James, is that we've been acting as kind of ambassadors um, to other businesses. So what we've been trying to do is um, bestow the benefits of, of working with, with ex-offenders and, and engaging with this cohort. And we do that by showing positive examples of people who've been through the, the prison system, have come up the other end and mm. have obviously gone to do great things in our business yeah. Um, and also just, just trying to explain to people the, the, the kind of transformative power that employment can have on people's yeah. lives. Um, the other kind of thing we do as well is that we, we tell people it's, it's really good for business, which it is. It's worth noting that Timpson on a charity, first and foremost, we're a commercial yeah. business. So the, the, the reason we do this, obviously for the kind of societal good, but also because it's very, very good for business. Yeah. Um, the people that we recruit from custody are very hardworking, very loyal, and are even statistically more honest than people that we recruit from other streams. So yeah. um, it, it works well for us as an organisation. So a win-win really all round. Um, going back a bit, um, Darren, there is a story about how Timpson first got involved in um, recruiting ex-offenders back in 2002, I believe. Um, but to hear that, you've got to listen to my other podcast when I interview John Timpson, who is James's father and the chairman of Timpson. Um, so my question to you is, um, you know, you've been doing this for, for almost 20 years. What are the key lessons that you've learned um, in those years that you've been employing ex-offenders? We've, we've learned many, many lessons over the years. I think it's worth pointing out that I've, I've been with the Timpson business for about 10 years now. So this will all started before my arrival. But um, I've had many chats with James and James has told me how the, the whole kind of foundation started and some of the mistakes that we've made in the past and some of the stories are quite amusing really. So um, anybody who knows James knows that he's, he's a fantastically generous guy. Um, and when we started to recruit ex-offenders, um, lots of these guys were kind of coming to James saying, James, 
um, I've got no money. Please, can you give me some money for um, some, maybe some white goods or maybe a sofa or a deposit for a plant? And James, being a kind of generous guy, he was was really, really good giving the money. And obviously, this money wasn't being spent in the way um, spent in the way it was um, yeah. being reported to be spent in. Lots of people were kind of spending it on drugs and alcohol and God knows what else. Um, so we, we've kind of um, we've we've toughened up a bit. Um, we're still generous, if, if not more generous. But now we ask um, more questions, so we ensure that our money's um, right. spent in the right places, shall we say. And I think also as well over the years, we've, we've become a lot more realistic. We've realised that not everybody is, is employment ready. Um, and by employment ready for Timson, what we mean is that people are kind of confident, chatty, outgoing, um, able to engage with our customers and provide them with that first class customer service. And unfortunately, not everybody in prison is able to do that. And often that's because people have sort of really severe mental health issues. They could have crippling addiction issues, um, homelessness or a combination of all three. And what we believe is that these complex needs and issues need to be addressed before these people can mm. be um, offered employment yeah. because often employment isn't what they need at that time. Mm. They need all these other really important things addressing first before they can even consider work. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so if I could sort of go back a bit to my first question you know you made some pretty stark um you know you get you offer some pretty stark information um if you could wave your magic wand and overturn the uk prison system what would you do and why well great question <laughs> so i think the kind of more generally what i'd like to do is i'd like to make prisons a place where people get better um and that as soon as somebody gets sent to prison that is the kind of starting point in their journey being able to improve their lives and often it's, it's just not the case and people's lives usually get worse as soon as they get sent to prison. Um, but again, I think speaking more generally, I'd just like to change the culture in prisons. And by, by changing the culture, what, what I mean is, is kind of a, a culture of kindness. So it's just been a little bit more human to people who find themselves um, in, in our prisons um, instead of kind of treating them um, as if they don't really deserve any chance at rehabilitation, just being a bit more human to them and mm. maybe considering some of the challenges that they face in their lives. Um, we mentioned before, prisons essentially are huge pools of untapped talent. So what I'd like to do, ideally, would be to turn prisons into kind of job centres, industry-led, so all of our vacancies um, can be filled by, by people in custody. And again, we could give them that, that hope of kind of redemption and rehabilitation. I love that. So I'm, I've written down here... Um, prison cross out prison and insert industry-led job centers for those suitable for employment absolutely couldn't put it better myself how, how fantastic so um darren my final question before my quick fire questions um i'm hoping that gen Zers are listening to this podcast so um what would you say to them about what you would like to see their attitude towards ex-offenders to look like i think people really kind of need to take on board that ultimately people are people um our prisons are essentially microcosms of society it's a real good cross-section of our communities that you'll find in prison um i get to meet some wonderfully interesting people who've, who've faced all sorts of challenges and i've made some poor decisions which has obviously led to them being in custody but um at, at the end of the day they're just people so yeah. I think if people can kind of take that on board, that's a really good thing. The other thing to bear in mind is that there are 11 million people in the UK with a criminal conviction, more serious than a driving offence. So that is, yeah. roughly speaking, one-sixth of the UK population. Yeah. So to be assume that that huge swathe of the population are inherently dishonest, untrustworthy, yeah. dangerous, 
Mm. It's, it's just crazy, really. So just mm. try and take a step back and just realise that people are people. And I think the kind of overriding message I like to get across is ultimately good people can do bad things. Yeah, and and I know what uh, James has talked a lot about is it's about, and it's your tips, one of your tips and values is, is looking at how I think you recruit people is based on their potential rather than their past performance, I, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's really important to me. I mean, obviously, we are realistic. We understand that people have committed offences. We risk assess people when we meet them. But what we try not to do is, is focus on the, on the sort of past indiscretions and mm. instead focus on the potential and what, what they've got to offer in the future. Um, and again, from a business point of view, it's been nothing but a huge success for us. Fantastic. Um, Darren, if we could finish off with some quick fire questions. I always like this. It, it says quite a lot about a person. Let's No pressure. Uh, so the first one, if you were prime minister for the day, what is the one thing you would do? Tell the truth. <laughs> oh, the truth. The truth. <laughs> oh, my goodness. OK, right. Uh, we'll leave that one there. Which three businesses would you like to see publicly recruit ex-offenders um, and shout about it? Ah, right. Okay. So interesting on this. So for, for years and years now, we've worked really closely with um, His Majesty's Prison and Probation Service and the, the, the Civil Service, the Ministry of Justice. And whilst they've been really good at kind of pushing the, the employment agenda for ex-offenders, they've not been able to employ ex-offenders themselves. Right. But really pleased to say that very recently that's, that's changed. Um, and both of these sort of departments now are very welcoming of people with convictions. So I think that's a really important one um, yeah. that's kind of happened. And I think the other one, um, possibly um, Amazon. And I think it'd be really nice if they were to give something back and they were to um, offer opportunities in their organisation to, to people with convictions. Is that three or is that two? OK, we'll take the first two as two of those departments. Yeah, that's fair enough. And Amazon is so massive that I think that counts as the third one, definitely. I would be sport for choice, I think, if someone asked me this question about you, but I'm going to ask you that this question. Uh, what are you most proud of? Oh, wow. OK. So it, it, it sounds terribly cliche, this, but I think the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that over the years, we've gotten to make a really, really positive difference to so many people's lives. And the way we've done that is just by treating them well, giving them a job, looking after them, watching them grow and develop. So, yeah, so I think ultimately it's it's the positive difference that we've made to many people's lives over the years. Fantastic. That's great because that ties in nicely with my title. So fantastic. Um, couldn't have written the script better. Um, one final question, Darren. What does James Timpson not know about you that he should? Wow. Um, that's a great question. The answer is there's probably a lot that James seems to be. And hopefully it'll stay that way. But um, I suppose an interesting fact about me that James wouldn't know is that I'm I'm a I'm a qualified sommelier. So I, I'm oh. a, absolutely yeah. So I'm I'm a, I'm a wine buff. So um, James oh. James doesn't know that. But well, we better make sure he finds that out, and you might end up um, with with another another day job. You never know. Darren, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I, I think what you do is absolutely tremendous. You know, it genuinely makes a difference. I'm sure, I hope that you go to bed every night, you know, with a smile on your face, knowing, despite what's happened during the day, sort of proud of, of and, and happy with what you've achieved. Um, thank you. It's been a real joy speaking to you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>